You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Here we go again. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Dan Johnson, and uh, I hope everybody's having a great start to their Monday. I know Mondays typically suck, but hopefully this podcast will make your day just a little bit better. Today, we are going to be talking with a gentleman named Peter from Loa Boots. Now, Loa typically isn't a hunting company per se. It doesn't have anything to do with a bow or an arrow or any type of, you know, anything that you would think of as a bow hunting piece of equipment. But, and I think you guys can all agree that when it comes to gear, having a really good boot is probably one of the best pieces of gear that you can, that you, that you can actually have. Because for me, when I'm sitting in a tree stand and it's freezing, the first thing to go are my feet. Every every time, the first thing to go uh, are my feet, and uh, battling that really sucks. So, Peter today is going to talk about Loa boots, and he's actually going to talk about what makes a boot good and uh, some of the some of the some of the breakdown that uh, makes a boot good. So, uh, I'll quit talking and let uh, Peter take it away. All right, on the phone with me now is Peter Sachs of Loa Boots. How's it going today, Peter? So far, so good. Good, good, good. Um, before we started recording here, you mentioned that you were uh, you're all over the place. You just got back from the Shot Show. Was that last week? Shot Show was uh, about ten days ago. I was in Germany at a sporting goods show last week, and Salt Lake earlier in the month. So it's been a busy travel month all over the place yeah well i will uh we'll try to knock this out out of your hair so you can go home and, and get some sleep <laughs> no problem all right so boots um and uh you know although although boots are not necessarily directly related to bow hunting i you know it's not you don't need a, a pair of boots to kill a, a deer but the way that us hunters hunt today it's uh in my the feet are the like the most important part to take care of especially when you're you know on a long tree stand hunt or a long um oh uh, you know a long mountain hike up to you know the, the you know high altitude hunts or even in in the, the flatlands of like nebraska and colorado so i felt it was important to get um a boot company on the show to kind of discuss a little bit about that. But before we get into the details, 
I would really like it if you would kind of introduce yourself. Um, what do you do for LOA and maybe provide a little bit of uh, company background for us, company history? Okay. So uh, I'm the general manager here in the United States, so I'm responsible for all aspects of our uh, business, um, whether it's uh, working with the factories to develop the product or the sales reps to sell it or the customers to help them sell it. Um, and uh, everything else that goes on here in the U.S. Uh, Loa is a German-based brand. We've been in business since 1923. Um, we make boots for everything in the outdoors, from taking a walk in your local forest preserve uh, to climbing Mount Everest. Uh, we also build boots for about 25 militaries around the world and uh, have an awful lot of experience um, in boot building regardless of the activity. Um, frequently we'll end up with the same boot, just different colorations or materials uh, for different applications. So uh, um, we, we delve into that experience even if it's an activity that we are not individually familiar with. Gotcha. So before we get into the details, and I know a lot depends on what the actual application is for, whether you know you're hiking or you're mountaineering or you're hunting, what goes into making a good quality boot? So a boot is uh, a boot maker is really sort of like the chef in a restaurant. Um, all the bootmakers around the world have access to the same materials, leathers, fabrics, uh, synthetic materials for the uppers. Um, we all have access to um, the soles. Uh, we can all buy the same stitching machines and, uh, and machines that attach the soles to the uppers. Uh, the question is just in what proportions and in what processes do we um, go about putting that boot together, designing it, and then, and then assembling it. And that's what makes the, the chef in the kitchen analogy appropriate. Chef can buy the same ingredients, they can throw it in the oven, and, and two chefs will come out with two different recipes. So our whole uh, mantra as we build a boot is really to uh, try to pick the best combination of materials, designs, and constructions for the intended use. And uh, that could be uh, leathers and fabrics in the uppers. It could be uh, lining materials, whether it's Gore-Tex that is waterproof and breathable, uh, appropriate for a lot of hunters. Or uh, we use a lot of leather linings at LOA, uh, really appropriate for conditions like in the southwest U.S. where it's hot and dry. You don't need waterproofing as much, but you do uh, need that close to the foot fit, and you need the wickability that uh, leather linings will give you. Uh, we use a lot of Vibram soles. We use a lot of non-Vibram soles. But we find that the better the sole, the longer wearing, the uh, better grip underfoot, the uh, heel break uh, to prevent you from slipping on a downhill, uh, those kinds of things go into uh, effect. Another differentiating factor is we'll use polyurethane for our midsoles. Polyurethane is a foam that's a lot more durable, a lot longer lifespan than EVA, 
and it and it adds to the value of the product because our customers might buy a pair of boots every three to four years or or longer compared to a lot of lesser products where a, a customer may save some money initially, but they end up buying a new pair of boots every year or every two years. And over a 10-year or longer cycle, they spend a lot more money. They also end up with wet feet, cold feet, uh, sore feet from lack of support, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So you mentioned two terms in, yep. uh, in there that I, I'd like a little bit of clarification on. And one of them, did you say Vibram? Uh-huh. And is that a material uh, for the sole or what is that? So Vibram is a brand of soles. Okay. Uh, they're headquartered in uh, Italy. They also produce here in uh, the United States. They have production facilities in Asia. And Vibram is uh, probably the undisputed leader in good quality outdoor soles for lots of different activities. They really have uh, the research and the um, the comparative knowledge to build really good, high-quality products. Um, in fact, we just had a, a challenge from some customers in the hunting market that our souls, uh, asking us to compare them against a competitor, we sent them to, both to Vibram, who tested them to uh, ASTM industry standards, and in fact, the Vibram sole that we used in one of our hunting boots uh, exceeded the standards in all cases and exceeded the competitors' boots in all cases. So uh, when you buy a boot and it's got a little yellow dot on the bottom with the Vibram logo, it's uh, it's as high a quality product as you can ask for. Gotcha. Underfoot. All right. So while we're on the topic of soles, yeah, is it? I take it there's different kind of soles for different applications. So if I'm just a uh, a guy who wants a pair of boots, I, I live in Iowa and I'm going to be walking the dirt roads as opposed to someone who's going to be climbing in the mountains. What are the, what are the different applications that one might want to consider when buying um, a pair of boots as far as the so, just the sole is concerned? So different boots, uh, the, the thing that I think most customers notice is not the sole as much, but it's the flex of the boot at the forefoot. And if you're going to be in the Rocky Mountains, if you're going to be above tree line, if you're going to be on really uh, hard terrain uh, that's rocky and, and full of stones and, and so on, you want a, a sole that's fairly rigid underfoot. It's going to give you a lot of support. It's also going to give you a lot of protection underfoot so that if you step on a sharp object like the pointy end of a rock, uh, uh, you're not going to feel that coming through your foot. Uh, on the bottom. Flip side is you're in the plain states like you just mentioned and it's fairly rolling terrain and it's fairly dirt oriented. You can get by with a softer flexing boot. That sole will be a little thinner. The support behind it will also be a little thinner. Makes it easier to walk in, not quite as protective however. So the, the trade-offs are, are that support and stability versus and, and protection versus a little bit less, but you don't need it necessarily if you're in the Plain States or the Midwest or something um, where the terrain doesn't require a, a big, heavy, stiff boot. Gotcha. So the next question I have um, yep. is the a guy on my Facebook page wanted me to ask about 
wearability. How long are some of your boots lasting? And I, I know that's a, a very vague question based off of how much you actually use it, but I guess on average, how 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 long are your boots lasting before, let's say, a loyal customer comes back and says, "Hey, I need another pair." So we have uh, we've done some research on this where we've uh, talked to customers directly and. It seems that the average customer's boots last somewhere in the five to seven year window. But that's just an average. Sometimes you'll have a customer, they use them once a year uh, for, for a week on their uh, vacation or their hunt or, or their trip somewhere. And uh, those boots will last 10, 12, 14 years. Um, then the next thing you'll, you'll have is a customer who... Um, goes out in really harsh conditions. They're above tree line, the boots get wet and they stay wet for uh, a couple of weeks at a time. They scuff and scrape against uh, rocks and ice and snow and um, maybe they even put a crampon on their feet and, and they scuff them with the crampon or, or other tools. And, and those boots last one, maybe two years. Um, it just really ultimately depends on the, the user and the conditions they're in and, um, and the wear and tear. And the, the other factor that really comes into play that nobody really likes to talk about is when you come home from a trip, do you dry your boots out? Do you recondition the leather? Do you re-waterproof the leather to prevent it from absorbing moisture? Uh, or do you take your boots, you throw them in the back of the garage, and you pull them out in a year for your next trip? And uh, the guy who takes care of his boots will get far more life out of them than the guy who tosses them in the garage or the basement and pulls them out again next year. Yeah, if you could elaborate on that just a little bit, what kind of maintenance goes into? I mean, cause the way I look at this, and I and I'm just looking at some of your prices here, um, you know. Uh, the first bo uh, boot I clicked on was the the Baffin Pro, uh, just because okay. it was right there in front of me. Uh, the price on your website says it's three hundred and seventy dollars. For me, and I guess someone who's an average Joe, that's that's a good investment. So, yep. what kind of maintenance would be necessary to prolong the life of that boot as long as possible? So, uh, a boot like that, or or any of the boots in our hunting category. Um, when you get done with your uh, trip in the backcountry, you should come home. You should let the boots thoroughly dry out. Take the footbeds out of the boots. Let them just dry out with just air circulating. Uh, you don't need to use heat. You don't need to use, uh, you know, anything phony or don't don't ever put them near a fire. Just let them air dry out. Uh, then when they're dry, take a, a soft brush and take off all the dirt. Uh, and the muck off the boots so that the pores of the leather can really open up. Uh, if that leather, leather is a natural material, and if that leather looks like your skin does after you've been out in the sun and the wind all day and it's dried out and maybe a little hairy, then it's time to treat it with a, uh, a leather conditioner. And that leather conditioner is just like moisturizer is to your skin. It's going to reinvigorate it. It's going to Fill those pores back up so they're supple. It's going to prevent that leather from absorbing uh, moisture the next time you go out, that kind of thing. Finally, you do that a few times. It's a good idea to take a uh, liquid or a spray water repellent um, and, and 
give give the boot a nice coating, not too heavy, not but but a nice coating, uh, and that will prevent again the leather from absorbing moisture. And you want to do that because once a boot fills with with water, when the leather becomes filled with water, it's saturated. When the lining materials become saturated, that boot becomes heavy. And you're just dragging around water as much as you're dragging around a, a boot that's a couple of pounds heavy. Uh, so those that's a quick uh, overview of care. You do that, you'll get an extra year, maybe two years out of your boots if you're a fairly regular and, and heavy user. Um, if you're a, a light user, you might get an extra three, four, five years. But uh, the guys that just take their wet, muddy boots and throw them in the back of the garage, they, they become filled with fungus, they become filled with mold, uh, they, they get disgusting, and, and frankly, they rot and fall apart. All right. Now, let's move our way up a little bit from the sole. What what makes what uh, what makes a Loa boot high quality enough to? I mean, is it is it the operations as far as how it's made? Is it the material? Why? What makes a your guys's boot on the higher price point? So it's uh, first of all, it's the materials. We use only the best materials, whether it's for the outside or the lining or the hardware or um, the cuffs, whatever it is, then it's the design of the boot. A boot like a uh, the Baffin that you mentioned, um, the tongue on that boot, for instance, has 24 pieces. Um, no, correct me. It has 14 pieces. And that number of pieces really helps that tongue wrap around the foot and prevent it from sliding side to side, for instance. It's also got, you can see on the side of it, a big flex notch with a uh, hook that's put on a piece of webbing. And we do that to allow uh, the hook to float up and down a little bit, and it allows for an easy flex, but it also prevents the rivets that normally hold a hook from blocking that flex, uh, making the boot less comfortable. Um, we do little design features like on the back of the ankle. There's a little notch cut into the leather with a soft piece of leather inserted so that when you're walking downhill and your leg is flexing backwards, that Achilles is not going to feel that heel biting into you. It's going to be a nice, comfortable flex even backwards. Uh, the tongue on that boot has uh, what we call our X-lacing. It's a little stud in the tongue. You wrap your laces around it, prevents the tongue from sliding sideways. So there's a lot of little features that go into a boot that we put in to make the boot more comfortable and to fit better. We don't build boots necessarily to hit a price point um, like many of our competitors do, um, but we build it so that it's comfortable, so that you sit there and say, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go do 10 miles today or I'm going to do 12 miles or 15 miles and you know that your feet are going to be with you the whole way. And uh, we believe that boots are the most important piece of gear you have uh, in most cases in the outback. And uh, uh, as a result, your feet need the protection, they need the, the support, they need the comfort, they need the waterproofing, they need the breathability, 
all those kinds of things, and, and those are all built into the design of that product. All right. So when you guys are when you guys are sitting around the table and saying, "All right, it's time to design the next boot, our next boot." Yep. What are the what are the categories that you guys throw the most attention to? You know, it, it really depends on the product, um, and it really depends on the feedback from the existing product and what's missing. Um, we may have customers in our uh, alpine categories who say, you know, we're only out in snow and ice and cold. We need warmer boots, so then we're going to pay a lot of attention to the insulation. We may have customers in our hunting categories who say, you know, we're, we're uh, in Montana or Idaho or up in Alaska, and we're out in the, the uh, backcountry for, for 12 or 15 days. How do we really make that boot waterproof? Um, we may have trail runners at the other end of our product line who say, I need something really light and, and fast, and, and, uh, and it doesn't need to be waterproof because I'm going to only wear it for a short period of time while I'm out on my trail run getting fit. So it really depends on what is the target for the given product that we're putting together. And uh, and we take the existing products and how do we build upon that? How do we still make it comfortable? How do we still make it supportive? But then increase uh, the feature that has been called into question by uh, end users. And we take a lot of feedback. Uh, we get it every day. Social media is fabulous that way. Customers let us know in spades what they like and what they don't like. Um, yeah, I mean, it works both ways in, in today's world. And uh, so we know uh, based upon that, we know based upon some uh, ambassadors that we have out in the field, we know based upon talking to our retailers what customers come in their stores and ask for. Uh, we, we have a pretty good feel for, for what we need to do to constantly improve our products. Uh, but each product, it may be a different requirement. So, And the, you may have just answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Uh, what are some of the biggest obstacles when it comes to designing that next boot that you have to overcome? Oh, I always think uh, from a sales perspective, the biggest obstacle is time. Uh, you know, I'm in a, in a sales role a lot of days, and so I have customers, and they'll call me, and they'll say, well, we'd like a product improved, you know, with, with added support. And I call my factory, and we talk about it, and we go over it. I don't understand why they don't have a sample back to me tomorrow. <laughs> But they need to do some research. They need to look into the materials. Right. They need to look into the design. They need to look into how the boot is put together. Sometimes you have great materials, but one product, uh, one material won't stitch or glue or otherwise bond with the next material. It may do so very well in the laboratory, but then if somebody goes out and wears it for 30 or 50 days, it falls apart too quickly. Uh, so sometimes we, and we do test a lot of products, especially new constructions and new materials uh, in the field for that period of time. And uh, 
so so time to me is the biggest obstacle in sales we want it today maybe yesterday uh in product development we never give them enough time uh they'd always like at least another three years or something to develop a product so all right so so now that this uh this boot is um you know, you sat around, you've designed a boot um, around an individual, and it, they go out there and they wear it. Let's see here. I guess the next step, what is, what's the next step? I mean, obviously you have to try to sell it. Um, what are you, let me, let me ask it this way. You have a boot, it's worth, you know, $350 or so. It's on the higher end as far as uh, a, a price is concerned. Th- with the rest of the boots on the market, why should somebody consider spending extra money, you know, on a quality boot as opposed from, hey man, I maybe I'll just spend on this fifty or this hundred dollar boot as opposed to two hundred dollars more. So you know, I, we understand that there's a certain customer out there that uh, just can't afford a Loa no matter what. And uh, we encourage them to buy the best product they can buy. So whatever their outdoor activity is, they have as best um, an experience as possible. Um, On the other hand, there's an awful lot of hunters in particular, since that's the subject today, who uh, travel a long distance to go on their hunt. They buy a tag. Uh, that's expensive, especially if they're out of state for whatever animal they're looking for. They've got an awful lot of money invested in uh, other gear, including their their gun or their uh, bow. Um, Many times they've also got uh, a guide service that they're working with. And really, in the end, the price of the boots is not that expensive especially if you're out in the backcountry for two, three, four, five days or more. If your feet can't carry you, if you can't walk, if you can't climb that mountain to go in search of whatever you know animal you're out after, uh, if your feet get wet, if they're uh, covered with blisters, then all of the other money that you've spent is really wasted. Right. So that extra 100 that extra 200 bucks is really not a lot of expense compared to the rest of the money that a hunter or other outdoorsman is putting out for all the other gear and clothing and uh, access that they need. Um, If a boot makes you go that extra mile, if it makes your trip successful, uh, that's great. If you're a warm weather guy and you're just going out in the field behind your farm, and that's as far as you're going to walk, you, you probably don't need a LOA in many cases. And you could probably get by with a lot lesser product. But our customers tend to travel and go into the backcountry, and they're spending a lot of money on all their uh, gear and permits. And really, frankly, the boot becomes expensive but an incidental expense in many cases. Right. I can attest to that. I, I was up in Idaho uh, this past fall. And uh, my it rained and it was wet and my boots got wet and they stayed wet for the entire trip. 
and I was not happy. <laughs> that did not enhance your trip, no. It did not enhance my trip at all. So let's talk about uh, these. Um, I'm actually on your hunting uh, page on, on the website and there's a okay. list of like, uh, what do we got? 12, 13 different boots here. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, and I know some of these could, you know, do good in all types of scenarios, but I'll just use your experience here. And I'm going to, I'm going to say a, a kind of hunter, a location, and, and then maybe you could throw out what you feel would be the best option for that hunter. Okay. All right. So, and then some of these might have, you know, hot or cold times of year as well. So yep. I'll just, I'll just start off with what I'm used to. And, um, I am a tree stand hunter. All right. Okay. I, I walk from my truck, uh, to my tree stand, you know, sometimes there's mud, sometimes there's, you know, cow manure, sometimes there it's dry, just depends. Um, really all types of weather. I mean, it can get from, you know, as high in October, as high as 80 degrees, 85 degrees to as low as, you know, 30 degrees early October. And then in no, into November, it gets as, you know, cold as the negative, you know, the negative numbers. So yep. is there, is there a boot that you might recommend for, uh, for a tree stand hunter like myself, that's kind of in the Midwest? So, uh, for those warmer temperatures earlier in the season, uh, a boot like the Camino on that page or the Ranger would probably be great. It's going to uh, give you the support and the stability. It's going to keep you waterproof. Um, it's going to be comfortable to walk in. Um, it's not going to be heavy. Uh, and so if you're walking across some fields, climbing into a tree stand, a boot like those two would probably more than suffice. When you get into the colder temperatures, though, uh, frankly, we don't make a boot for that customer. Uh, that customer probably needs to be in a product like a uh, Kamek or a Sorel that is super heavily insulated and really meant for stationary use. Uh, our boots that are insulated, like the Tibet Super Warm, the Hunter uh, GTX Evo Extreme, or the Bighorn Hunter, are really still meant for that active hunter. They have two to 400 grams of Primaloft in them. Uh, the Tibet Superworm also has uh, Gore-Tex Duratherm in it. Uh, but they're really meant still for active uh, users and, and hunters, guys that are climbing the mountains. But they're out in cold temperatures, but they're, they're circulating and they're moving as opposed to being stationary. Uh, but when you're stationary, I generally would suggest a big, heavy uh, pack boot, for instance. And... Uh, the Sorel, the Kamek, maybe the Schnee's pack boot. Uh, those are all good products for that customer. And that's those are low boots, right? No, those are all competitors, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, at least you're honest. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Now, the next thing that comes to my mind would be um, maybe not necessarily too high of elevation, but something, you know, in the foothills, maybe chasing some mule deer or elk or um, – uh, some not necessarily extremely steep elevation, but you know, it could get, it could get cold. It could get warm and you're out, you're out, uh, for maybe some day hunts. Okay. So, uh, again, there, the Ranger might be appropriate or a boot that's, uh, not on this page, but, um, but is on our backpacking page called the Tibet GTX would be appropriate. 
And those are just good, solid uh, boots, but they're not insulated. They're not um, uh, tall shafted boots like a Tibet High or a Hunter would be. So you're not carrying much of a load. You don't need to carry, uh, um, you don't need the height of the shaft for stability and support on your leg. Um, you're out for the day. You don't need the added durability or insulation that maybe a Hunter Evo is going to give you. Uh, so I would suggest a regular Tibet GTX or maybe the Ranger if, if uh, you know, it's really an easy day. All right. So then now we'll get into kind of like what my Idaho uh, hunt was. I'm, yep. I'm backpacking in. I have a heavy load on my back. I'm backpacking in. There's a chance that if I kill, I'm, I'm packing out 100 pounds. It's pretty steep, and, and um, the, the temperatures can shift from, you know, 70 degrees to, you know, 20 degrees in a blink of an eye. So there I would recommend uh, either the Tibet GTX High or the Hunter uh, GTX Evo Extreme. Uh, the difference between those two boots is really that the Hunter is insulated and the Tibet is not. Uh, and those are taller shafted. Uh, they're uh, high wall rubber rams, polyurethane midsoles, um, really super durable big mountain boots. So if you are carrying that 100-pound load out, uh, if you've had a successful hunt, um, you're going to get the stability and the support under your feet. Uh, we find that a lot of our guys, uh, I'm thinking of a dealer in Montana in particular, who he sells a lot of customers to Tibet High for when they're out early season bow hunting. And then when they get uh, later in the season with their guns, then they pull out the hunters for when there might be more snow, it might be colder, that kind of thing. And they alternate their boots between the seasons. Again, they'll then get longer lifespans out of the products um, because they're not just using one boot all the time. So, Sounds good. Yep. I'm also a big believer that a, a good wool sock will make a, and, and a good boot will take you into pretty cold temperatures. Uh, as long as you're moving. And that was going to be that was actually going to be my next question. How important is the right sock for for the boot? So the right sock is hugely important. Um, in all cases, I recommend one sock. I am not a fan of uh, a separate liner sock from uh, a thicker insulating sock. Uh, and today's wool socks are woven so that there's extra padding around the um, ball, under the foot, around the heel, around the ball of the foot area, uh, the toes. Um, but then it'll be thinner, more streamlined on the top of the foot and up the ankle. And that's really important so that you won't get any rubbing from uh, as you walk from back and forth across the tongue. Uh, but you'll get the padding and the comfort under the foot and around the heel where you really need it. Uh, and most of the good sock manufacturers today uh, will make a, a wool sock. Uh, they'll make them in a couple of different thicknesses. You can always buy a little thicker version uh, if you're going to be out in colder temperatures. Um, uh, but, but that's the way to go is, is a trekking or backpack sock that's going to be mostly wool. There might be a little spandex or something in there to kind of hold it all together. Uh, give it a little elasticity, prevent it from wrinkling, that kind of thing. 
Sounds good. Now, the last question I have for you yeah. is I'm standing at a sporting goods store or someplace that sells a variety of different boots. Why should I choose a Loa boot over every other boot that may work for me? In the end, what you should choose is the boot. When you go shopping, you should bring along the socks you intend to wear, and you should also shop in the uh, mid-afternoon. Because as you've walked through the day, your foot has expanded and and, uh, swollen a little bit. So when you try on a pair of boots, you want them to be fitting more like they're going to fit at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, not like they're going to fit at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, And I would tell you, you should ultimately buy the boot that is the most comfortable boot of the dealer's selection. And if it's a LOA, and we think we'll hold our own uh, at that time of day and, and with the socks you intend to wear, that's great. But if there's another brand that's a little narrower, a little wider, a little lighter, a little heavier, whatever, and it fits your foot better, buy that boot. Because when you're in the backcountry, you want a boot that's comfortable on your feet. Perfect. And I guess I have one more question. What's the? Do you guys have a warranty on your boots? So we have a, uh, like most manufacturers, a one-year warranty against uh, what's called normal wear and tear. Um, we also have a policy where we will always look at a customer's uh, boots, even if they're 10 or more years old. So uh, we always tell customers, if you think your boot has prematurely fallen apart, uh, we're, we're glad to look at it and see if we can fix and repair it. For uh, repairs, we actually send up the boots back once a month to our factory in Germany, and the same guys that built the boots originally repair them. And uh, so we get you as close to a factory repair job as possible. Um, you know, again, it's the extra uh, uh, effort that we put into not just making the boots, but servicing the boots and servicing our customers. You know, I, I lied to you. I, I said I had uh, – that was the last question, but I had another one that, that popped you up in my head. I know, I know. <laughs> but what are, what is the common mistake that people make when they when they buy boots? The common mistake I think people make is they don't go to a store and they don't try on two, three, four, five pairs – Uh, to make sure they're getting the right boot. They buy based upon uh, maybe a brand that they're familiar with or that their buddy told them they liked. They buy based upon a price point. And again, as I said earlier, if that's all you can afford, then find the best boot you can at a certain price point. Um, They buy based upon uh, the look of a boot, uh, maybe the uh, camo pattern, which we look at in boots and we say, your boots are down in the grass and the mud, so the, and the pant leg covers most of it, so the camo pattern in boots is really somewhat irrelevant. Um, they buy up based upon a lot of factors that really don't matter. Uh, the only thing that matters is how that boot wraps around your foot and how comfortable it is. Um, the, the, uh, uh, all the other factors are really pretty minor. Well, I tell you what, 
thank you very much for taking time out of your day to uh, come on the show and, and talk about the boots. And I think uh, we got an education here today because not only was it about Loa boots, but it was about boots in general. And I think uh, our listeners are going to be able to take away some good information from this. That's great. If they have questions, they should uh, go to our website. Each product page has a lot of information about the products. And they can also go to uh, uh, like our Facebook page and uh, Loa, Facebook slash Loa Boots, and, and they'll see lots of uh, other customers that have asked questions and answers that have been posted. And they can post their own question, and we'll try and get to it within a day or two and, and answer them for them. So. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Peter, and uh, have a good one. Thanks. You too. All right. Another podcast in the books. Hopefully you guys got some information to take away from this podcast and kind of realize how important uh, boots are for any type of hunter. So thanks again for uh, taking the time to tune in and listen to this week's podcast. Make sure you guys visit the Facebook page, the Instagram page, the Twitter profile, and also make sure you guys subscribe and download at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Follow along, and as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, if you guys weren't weren't listening, um, I would just be a guy talking into a microphone. It's pretty irrelevant, but uh, I'm getting some great feedback, and that's all because of you guys. Thanks again, thanks again, and wear your damn safety harness.